What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. This voice you're hearing is Mitch, and I'm one of your regular co-hosts that you hear every single week. And uh, who else do I have with me today? Well, that's funny that you're here, Mitch, because guess what? I'm Kyle, and I'm here, too. And you're always here, too, for the most part. Yeah, I would say like 99.9% of the time. Okay, uh, so you're hello? you're like... You're like a member of the podcast. Who, who else do we have? Whoa, what I would, voice is that? I would that? just like to interject that I am boozy. Oh, all right. So we got a full table today. <laughs> got a full table to close out our Universal Monsters series. Uh, today we're going to be discussing Kyle's pick, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Damn so right. we're going to do that at the end of the episode. Uh, it'll be most likely the last half of the episode. Before that, we're going to do our normal thing, talk about horror movies. And it's October. So uh, I've been watching a ton uh, I'm sure Boozy has. Kyle, have you been watching anything? I know you've been really busy. I've been a little busy. I haven't watched much of anything. I watched one movie this week, and I, I don't think you want me guys. I don't think you want me to talk about it. So is it UB just, Halloween. It's worse. It's actually worse. What is oh. it? Um, uh, God. And this is one I'm not proud of, for the record. This isn't like one of those weird, like bring it on, like oh Kyle's having fun with bring it on. Kyle's I being watched, quirky. I watched uh, Fifty Shades Freed. Oh, what? Why'd you do that? What a downer! I can't disclose that information. Um, was it foreplay? You just ruined I wish, episode. I wish it was foreplay. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I mean, arguably, the it's the most terrifying film I've seen in this October. Put it that way. Yeah, would not recommend Fifty Shades Freed. That's a one on Letterbox. So that's my review. Okay. You gave it a full star. I gave it a full star um, because. I actually, I've seen the second one, and it was slightly better than the second one, so I figured... Is this the third one, then? This is the third one, yes. Oh, my God. Anastasia becomes... How many times can this guy fuck this girl? Man, this movie is so bad. It's so bad. It's not even, like... It's just terrible. It's just so bad. Okay. Okay, One one thing I want to say is, this is actually... I was... You know, you're saying how I'm a regular guest of the show. I count it. And, uh... This is my forty-third regular hosting episode. So, guys, I'm really I'm I'm neck deep at this point. Forty-three. I, I love that you adjusted your glasses for this. When, like you were yeah. about to drop some fucking statistics on us. <laughs> the like, results well, just, are in. Just so you know, I'm uh, I'm somewhat of a co-host myself. <laughs> well, that's all I got to say. Just Hello, that's fellow awesome. co-host. Hey, Kyle, Kyle, congratulations on forty-three episodes hey, of man, the Terror the, Table, dude. It's it's you made not, it, bro. Don't worry about it, man. How's it been? <laughs> Honestly, pretty good. Um, I would say, okay, I'll put it this way. Um, on a good day, I'm staying alive. On a worse day, I'm in sorority row. So it really just depends okay. how. Um, Perfect. Kind of depends how the days roll. All in all, um, I feel you. I feel you. All in all, I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, and I still don't fuck with Nightmare on Elm Street too. Just for the record. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's still good though. Yeah, it is great. Did you okay? So last Wednesday I was working late, so I wasn't home for this to happen. But uh, Jason Hamill, previous guest of the show, okay. he, yeah, oh yeah, right, Boozy knows about this. He lives in he lives in Vancouver, and I I got a phone call. I was working overtime, like I was I was working in into the night, and I get a phone call from some woman saying that she's at my door. I'm like, I didn't order anything. Like she's saying you ordered eight banana splits. And I said, what the fuck? Are you t-? So I pretty much just said, I'm like, no, I didn't order that. I'm busy. I got to go. And I hung up on her because I was like, I need to keep working. And then the next day I find out Jason Hamill messages me. And he says, did you seriously cancel my order? And he tried ordering me eight liters of banana split ice cream. No way. 
<laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, that like that's one of the funniest trolls I've ever heard. And this is a man who has Jesse Switzky tattooed on his body. Like so yeah, yeah. he's done an incredible amount of batshit stupid things. Wait, but banana split ice cream? What is that it, even? Nobody wants that. That's like <laughs> the, if I can think of one type of ice cream I don't want, it's that. You definitely don't want banana split ice cream. What's banana ice cream? Apparently, psychopaths. He, just psychopaths. He told me he tried buying me. Uh, I think it was eight, twelve packs of Mountain Dew. Yep. <laughs> but Way they cooler. were sold out. Yep. Way better, more practical. Well, I uh, yeah, that, I'm like, yeah, like, that well, does make sense. So the next logical like choice is uh, leader of banana split. That checks out. It's true. It does check out. But like, what, that's the funniest part about it is like the effort he put into it and thinking about like. What does one do when they have eight liters of ice cream show up to their door? What do you it's do with your it? birthday or anything? It was just like a, Hey, Mitch is no, alive. It was a Wednesday, dude. <laughs> like, uh, a Wednesday, my dude. Yeah, it was a Wednesday, my dude. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but no, like <laughs> actually Wednesday though, like, like I, I, I don't like that type of ice cream, but I would not just throw it out. I would have oh. to go and drop some off at my parents, drop some yeah. off at Boozies. I would call around everybody who lives sort of near me and be like, hey, I'm dropping off something for your freezer. Because I don't leave the I... rest of the tub just in the street to see who picks well, it up. It's yeah, but game. who has space for eight liters of fucking ice cream, let alone banana split ice cream? Yeah. Either and way, deep, that was... deep freezes are not like, you know, they're not good for the earth. So, well, we have a deep freeze, but we can't fit in fucking we could, We have other shit in there. Important stuff. I don't know either. I just wanted to share that because that that was just insane. Um, so that's the second week in a row that Jason Hamill's come up on the Jesus. podcast. But shout out Jason Hamill. Yeah, shout out. Shout out also, sh- shout out to another podcast. I was on Cobwebs, uh, Daniel yeah. Epler's podcast, and it went up today uh, when we're recording this. Obviously, this episode's going to go up a couple days from now. When you're listening to this, you could hear uh, me talk about Scream Factory Blu-rays with Daniel on Cobwebs. It was a ton of fun. I'm actually like a, I am a cobweeb. Like, Whoa. I love, I love that show. I really love his. his is that you know, is that what the fandom is called? Yeah, well, that's what uh, his buddy Chris, who I'm also going to be on his podcast, <laughs> um, he calls them cobweebs, and I'm like, hell yeah, I like that. I kind of, yeah, no, I like that. But I, I just, I love that show, and it's, it was a ton of fun. It's a, the, like the terror tables where you go if like you want to hear guys who don't know what they're talking about, but they're just mm-hmm. fucking idiots. Cobwebs is where you go if you want to actually learn something. You want the and details. That, boy, the have facts. I been learning. Yeah, he's he's really been getting me into like all the Hammer and Universal. Right. This whole series, like it's just, I watched a couple of Vincent Price movies recently. What, do you, guys, about them. what do you guys think about Arrow? Like Arrow and like overall. That's how he opens up the episode is asking me about Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, are That's you an crazy, Arrow man. boy or a Scream Factory boy? I, I recently I... just bought my first Arrow Blu-ray. Which one? I got, I've bought the, uh, the audition. Uh, oh, nice. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, I really I, liked I like, that movie. I like Arrow. I talk about this on his podcast, but I, I like what they're doing and everything, but I just definitely have way more Scream Factory movies. Yeah, Criterion recently fucked me, and in a roundabout way, ended up buying an Arrow Blu-ray. It's a bit of a long story, but uh, I'll leave it at that. There you go. All right, well, let's uh, let's just get into it, boys. Uh, uh, one last thing, I guess I'll say that uh, next week on, I believe it is Monday, November 2nd, we're going to be releasing an episode on our feed uh, featuring myself, Jeff Drake, and John Allison of the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival in which we we recorded this last night, and it's just us announcing every single movie that's playing this year and uh, what what you can expect from each movie, uh, how things are going to be different with, you know, the pandemic happening and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I highly 
encourage people to listen to that so you have an idea of what what you're in for with the film festival this year. But also if you're just like a, a listener abroad or something, these are all movies that you're going to be able to see this year or in the next couple of months. Like these are all, some of the movies are actually even are already streaming. So uh, this is just a good place to hear from people who spent the last year curating a list of 16 movies out of, you know, like 150 movies uh, narrowed it down to these 16. So these are ones that we personally feel like you should be taking a, keeping an eye out for. So it's all a really fun episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. But with all that being said, let's get on to talking about what we've been up to. Boozy, what have you been up to? I have some good stuff in here, and I also have one honorable mention I'm just going to get through really quick. This is one of the saddest movies I've ever watched, unintentionally saddest. Uh, 1995's Top Dog starring Chuck Norris is one of oh, the saddest okay. movies I've ever seen. I've seen uh, that one. It's on Tubi. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> it's been it's been a long time since I've seen Top Dog, and I can't tell you I can't <clears throat> see myself revisiting it. It it's it's just scary to watch a man who's so clearly at the bottom of his career. Like this is bottom of the barrel shit. They took mm-hmm. some dumb script and they just added dog instead of like sidekick, and they played it straight faced. It was awful. Is it better or worse than K Nine with uh, Jim Belushi. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. Is that is that like that. a buddy cop yep. dog movie? You could also check out C Spot Run. With, I'm uh, very familiar Dave, with C Spot yeah, Run. Yeah, David Arquette. Yeah. He openly talks about I watched that new documentary, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. It's fucking oh, amazing. Yeah. Man, that it's good? so good. It's so cool, good. Cool. I, I love him, but like that documentary shows you an entirely different side of him that like a lot of people probably don't know about. Um right. but yeah, he talks even about like the C Spot Run years was a no straight way. Clearly, it was a fucking paycheck, but I couldn't believe that they're. I'm like, wait a minute, there's a part of this movie about C Spot Run? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the C Spot Run years. Full of yes. Uh Boozy, what else have you watched? Knock off one more since uh, that was Top Dog. Okay, uh, the other one here. This one is actually, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about it. I think, Mitch, you've talked about it in the show. It's from 2001 called Blood Surf. No, yeah. I have not talked Do about it. Do you guys that. know what I'm talking about? Blood Check out Surf. The cover. Yeah, not sure. Check out the cover art for this. I remember growing up. This is I even think now it's still a pretty cool cover. But basically it's about these surfers. Yeah, this cover's pretty cool. Right? It looks kind of like um uh, Goosebumps cover. A little bit, well, yeah. But, Blood, but bas- Blood Surf? Yeah. But basically the idea is these uh teens and and like professional surfers will cut themselves and then go surfing in the ocean so that like sharks chase after. It's supposed to be like an extreme <laughs> sport. But then it just turns out that there's like also a saltwater crocodile like in it Naturally. as well. So it was it was kind of cool. They had some practicals. They had some of the worst CGI as well mixed in. Like I did really like the practicals. They stole a lot of ideas from Jaws. And then Kyle, I just saw I, I got a notification that you liked my letterbox review of it, where I yeah. said there's one scene where uh, after making sweet tender love to another guy with frosted tips. The, the girl talks about how her dad will be upset. And then he asks how old she is. And she says 17. Now, this whole scene's happening while she's right. topless in a, in a like, uh. pool thing. So it made me feel very uncomfortable because now you as an audience feel like you're implicated on something. Okay, <laughs> but are we talking about, it, like, I'm looking up screenshots of this movie. Are we ta- is it the blonde guy with the spiky hair? Yeah. Oh, boy. Is was it he is. not the singer of Crazy Town? Oh my god! He looks oh, him, but it looks like him. 
<laughs> oh, man. This, oh, it does this... look like him. Yeah, dude, I straight up have never seen this cover ever, but Whoa. I, oh, this is horrendous. It like, has another, like, an alternate name called Crocodilus. Yeah, Crocodilus. That poster, man, is, oh, <laughs> so it's a bad this, one. This <laughs> so looks pretty, I think it, yeah, I think it's cool. It's like a Goosebumps episode. Oh. Anyway, that's another one on Tubi you can watch. All right. Oh, the, ta- the tagline is, terror has found a new wave. Because <laughs> oh, they serve. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's cool. Dude, awesome. I have a bunch of stuff to knock off today, so I'm gonna knock off two, and then I'll pass it back to you, Boozy. But and not in order of quality or anything, because like I've seen some really, really great stuff, and I've seen some not great stuff this week. But I'm gonna talk about all of it. Starting out with the Cleansing Hour from 2020. This is a brand new movie that was released on Shutter. Uh, the synopsis is another successful exorcism streamed online, or so it seems. Can the Exorcist Ooh. produce? Producer and their team bring the ratings up. Ratings skyrocket when a real demon gets involved. <laughs> wow. Please and tell me is, this is good because the, <laughs> the that tagline the, was all over the, the place. The tagline was all over the place. Here's the thing, listen up. It's like Here's this is thing. it's ridiculous and completely nonsensical. And in terms of an exorcism film, it's fucking so corny and stupid. But it's also kind of fun. Um, I like. I'm. I'm not gonna give this a good review because it's. I don't think it's a great movie. Uh, but it has its moments and it passed the time for us. But this wasn't. This is definitely not one of the ones I'm gonna be raving about today. Like the. It's very CGI heavy, but it's actually kind of fun in that regard. But to me, this is like the two, 2020 equivalent equivalent of Stay Alive or Thirteen Ghosts. Like well, this is see, very stay alive, man. What is that? Oh, fuck. What was that other app movie that came out like last year? Countdown. Uh, Countdown. Is it like that? No, count. No, I would say this is probably a, a better movie than Countdown. Okay. Uh, this one has Kyle Gallner in it. Do you know who that is? Uh, He's the no, kid who is always sad. He was in every movie from like the early two thousands. He was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. He was in Jennifer's Body. Uh, the oh, Haunting this Connecticut. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I've seen this guy before. He's oh, just ha- always... fuck, Haunting in Connecticut. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, he's the main kid. Like yeah, the, okay, yeah, now yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so he's he's one of the stars in the movie, and like, so it it does it breaks almost every rule in regards to exorcism movies. But at the same time, who really gives a shit? Because why should there be rules to something like that? It, just in terms of like other exorcism movies, I could see this one kind of ticking people off. I did the reason I checked it out is because I listened to the director Kyle Gallner and I believe one of the other actresses on the Boo Crew, and it just like I don't know it was on Shutter too. I watch it. Shutter's been good to me. I've been watching like almost everything that I've watched on Shutter this year has been at least good to great. So it, I, it I thought like a I'd lot give of people are digging this one actually. Like generally, it's getting some really? decent re- reception actually. Well, it's good to hear. I know Courtney. Yeah. Well, like Courtney and I had fun with it, but. Uh, I don't know. It's uh yeah, it's totally enjoyable for like the less cynical people out there, but and it's like open to a filmmaker just clearly genuinely trying to make a different exorcism film while also appealing to a wider audience. Like it seems like he's trying to do something different, so I commend him for that. Uh but honestly, I think he was pretty much nailing what he was going for. It's just kind of one of those concepts that's ridiculous to begin with. So yeah. you're either going to be on board for it or you're not, but he did a good job with what he with what he was set out to do, I, I suppose. But yeah, the moral of the story is, yes, I'm sure Zach Baggins has banged his sound guy's fiance or girlfriend. That was my last note. And uh, I realized yeah. that's a, it's that's a, a they, yeah. they're clearly making fun of Zach Baggins. In this okay. Movie. I and get uh, there's a lot of like very heavy Zach Baggins jokes, bits. 
but yeah, that's the cleansing hour and you can check it out on shutter. <laughs> the other one I want to knock off quickly is I had thought for years that I've seen this movie. And if I have, I just like, don't remember it. Or I forgot oh. almost a lot of it. What? I totally know what you're talking. There's like, that's happened to me so many times. Oh yeah. Like, well, I thought I had seen this movie, but I definitely hadn't. And it's tourist trap from 1979. Oh yeah. You you talked about this on a recent episode, didn't you boozy? Yeah. I think that was like three months ago. I talked. Yeah. Like recent as in like in the last year. Um, but the synopsis of this one is a group of friend, a group of young friends stranded at a secluded roadside museum are stalked by a masked assailant who uses his telekinetic powers to control the attraction's mannequins. Yeah, so this one is from 1979, and I think it's equally as zany as it is creepy. This thing has awesome, awesome effects work. I love the effects work in this. So you got levitating objects, mannequins moving on their own, all that kind of stuff. Uh, also, though, you know Donna's mom from that 70s show, Midge? Of course, yeah, of course. Okay, so she's in this movie. Did, did I send you the picture, Boozy? Oh, my oh, God. sure did. Oh. oh, my God. I'm sorry to sound like such a toxic piece of shit man but oh my god like she is like, maybe the most attractive 70s slasher like like one of the most attractive like final girls uh quote unquote <laughs> but yeah it's midge's mom i was like where do i know her from and courtney's like that's the mom from that 70s show yeah you know you know like people who are like attractive for a certain decade i, I feel She's like she attractive. has tra- no 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 she has transcended attractiveness <laughs> right right, right. right. yeah <laughs> Like she's stupid, attractive and tourist trap. Like it's, it's not human, but yeah, I don't know. In my opinion, it's almost always scarier when a slasher doesn't talk. And I think boozy, you could agree with that, but there's an argument to be had about tourist trap. I think like, as the, the slasher and tourist trap has like open monologues and like he, he's talking to his, his prey. And I just think that the dialogue is and the, the voice that it's delivered in. It's such a sinister it just offers up such a sinister feeling throughout throughout the movie. And, you know, obviously lots of people have said that this is like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff, which I could see that a little bit. There's definitely some inspiration from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But this is an awesome movie. I love Tourist Trap. And I found it genuinely creepy. Like, I was scared by this movie a little bit. I mean, this this director went on to make Night at the Magic Museum a ripoff of Night at the Museum. So I think uh, we're really on to something here. Yeah, and honestly, though, uh, that's the other thing I want to say before we close this one out is uh, this movie's House of Wax 2004 <laughs> mm. or 2004, 2005. Like, it, it almost follows that. It almost follows like the same beats as that movie does. Like, so I feel like House yeah, of Wax. Yeah, I had oh, a. I, it kind of gave off that vibe. I was looking at stills of it right now, actually. Yeah. And even just like the story arcs and everything, like there's so much House of Wax in this thing, but I loved it. And it's on Tubi as well. Uh, so that's another gotcha. Tubi exclusive. Tubi's a gold mine, Kyle. Tubi, Tubi's great. Okay, fine. Uh, Tubi's so great. My, uh-huh. my, my reviews are Tubi <laughs> continued. Boozy. Oh, that was a good one. All right. This is another Tubi one. We're just killing it here. We should just change. It'd be like the, the, the Tubi terror, table. The ta- the, yeah, the Tubi table. Tubi Not a bad it. idea. So I watched 1983's slasher film Sweet 16. Have either of you guys heard of and or watched this? I've heard of it, but I, I haven't seen this one. I don't think. No, I don't know it's, anything about this. The cover's uh, kind of fire, though. Like yeah, this. no, right? The the cover looks like a sweet Metallica like It album does, cover. yeah. Absolutely. Um, but it's it's so hard to explain what is going on in this movie, but there's like 
an Indian burial ground and a bunch of open racism. And then there's a slasher and you're trying to figure out who's doing it before this girl's 16th birthday. And there's cursed knives that have like magic what? powers in the yeah, dude. This is wild. The poster is fire. I will say right? I'm looking yeah. at it now. The poster's cool great. Poster. I can't, I can't really recommend this movie because I still am trying to figure out, like I, I watched it and then I read about it. And then I watched a little bit more, and I still don't entirely know what's going on with this. Can, Boozy, can like, it... once a week you bring a movie where you, the movie literally has maybe 15 different plots. And <laughs> yeah. at, like while you're explaining it, I'm not going to lie, I kind of zone out because I'm not right? really sure which movie you're talking about it, Like by the time you finish. Although I am looking at the poster for this, and it looks cool, so... That's really that's really all I can say. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it it exists. It came out after Halloween, and um, that's about it. Oh, okay, you got another one you want to knock off while you're here? Sure. While yeah. I have you here. While I have you here. Uh, the last one is the one I'm probably most excited to talk about. I watched 2020's The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Oh, now you're not ooh. now you're not gonna find that on fucking Tubi. You know, I what? was it's- meaning to watch this, man. How? What'd you think? Okay, so I actually didn't know about this movie till like a couple days before, but it's still not available for rent yet. So I just ended up buying it because the trailer looks so sweet. This movie's fucking awesome. This is probably one of my favorite movies this year. Wow. It's, it's a werewolf movie, and it's probably got the most comedy that actually hits. It's got Jimmy Tatro in it, and he actually has like a serious character. It's a cool. very cool movie. Tons and of Robert. Pre- Sorry? And Ro- Ro- Bobby. Robert Forster. Yeah. Well, yeah, it that, is. But it's got it's got Jim Cummings. Not yes. that Jim Cummings, but the other Jim Cummings. The Jim Cummings? Yeah. Have you have you seen uh, Thunder Road? No, I haven't. No, that's heard he's the director of the movie. Yeah. He's the director. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jim Cummings directed this movie as well. Yeah. He's director and he acts in it. He's the act yeah. director in his last two films. I haven't seen Thunder Road, but I've heard good oh. things. I've heard good things about both of these movies, but uh, I've heard really good things about this one. It's just obviously it sounds up my alley. Like when you yeah. texted me about it, I was like, "Yeah, that's of course." <laughs> yeah. So, so, so basically, it's a small town whodunit murder mystery with a werewolf subplot, and wow. it's kind of it's, it's it. all all the cops trying to figure out who who's killing whoever before the next full moon. And then, like they, they go into all these people's backstories. It, it's so good and Sold. it's so awesome. so funny, guys. And yeah. the werewolf, awesome. Werewolf is yeah. one of the coolest werewolves I've seen. I'm still yeah, and that's high praise coming from you because you are mm-hmm. a picky, you are a picky bastard. I'm a picky eater. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see that one. So once again, that's the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah, tight. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Um, guess what I watched, boys? What'd you watch? Bats from 1999. <laughs> I gotta look this up. This sounds like something I'd love. Are you kidding me, Boozy? You've never seen Bats? No, this this sounds amazing. Okay, so this is, of course... This uh, poster is also kind of sick. Yeah, so this is the one time a week where I'm gonna say, uh, this is a Boozy movie, because it is a Boozy movie. Man, are you guys kidding me? It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, Is it on Tubi? I, probably genetically mutated bats escape, and it's up to a bat expert and the local sheriff to stop them. This uh, looks so good. Not on Tubi, unfortunately. Gotta love when a movie like this drops the opening title card twenty minutes into the movie. <laughs> that is just Correct. such a flex. Like it takes twenty minutes for bats to come up. Like I was laughing my <laughs> ass off. <laughs> but yeah, like this movie was made for underage kids to see. 
like that's it's not made for people who are of it. No, but hey, that like I'm I was that demographic. 1999. That was the year my parents got a divorce. I got to <laughs> guilt. I got to guilt them into getting me renting me bats for that reason. So I was just oh, like, man. oh man, bats was an event for me when I was a kid. Like I was so excited to see bats. I want to uh, get like a Mitch soundboard where I can just like press like Mitch tropes. I press yeah. a button and it goes. This is a boozy movie. Press another button. My parents got divorced in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mitch, you would say that yeah. <laughs> outside of your parents getting divorced in 1999, was corn releasing issues the biggest moment of that oh, year dude, for you? Dude, oh yes, yes, big time. That was such a big... Oh, Issues was my favorite when it came out. I love... This is me and Boozy just being the same person again. <laughs> yep. But yeah, we're, okay, so here's the thing. mind-melding. Yeah. So the the CGI in Bats is absolutely horrendous, as I'm sure you can imagine or what you'd expect from a movie like this. But then the scenes with actual effects, like practical effects, and the practical effects Bats are amazing. They're awesome because the Bats are, the practical effects Bats, like, granted, they are mutated, but some of them are, like, fucking ten times the size. And it's like, yeah, you got some, like, bigger Bats. And there's some really good moments of practical effects bats uh how, how like big do these bats survive. get pretty big like, it's just it's a siege survival movie man like that's it's bats it's bats attacking a small town and in the words and mindset of anthony buziak there is a whole scene in this movie that colin Trevero ripped off for jurassic world yeah go on <laughs> that's me referring back to when boozy said that ari aster ripped off the breed <laughs> I'm sorry, but I had to do it. No, but it, there's a very Jurassic World scene in this movie. And yeah, I, I'm shocked you haven't seen Batsman. I thought this would have been boozy 101. I'm looking through the images and it's just, it looks beautiful. It's not good, guys. Like It's not good, but it's okay. it's fun. But the thing is, boozy, when you are watching it, understand that you have to trudge through some shit. Like, wait, give it give it like a half hour, 40 minutes. And once once it starts popping off, you'll be like, okay, this is what I'm here for. Uh, oh, but yeah, that's, that's bats. It's a solid two out of five for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's bats. And then one that I'm, this is one that I'm extremely excited to talk about today. Cause this is one that came out of the left field for me. I almost knew nothing about it. Once again, this was a, uh, some filmmakers that I heard on the boo crew, but I checked out once again on shutter, the mortuary collection. Have you guys heard about this? No. All right, so it's an eccentric mortician recounts several macabre and phantasmagorical tales that he's encountered in his distinguished career. Is that it's a real word? A, fant- I don't know, but it's a, it's an anthology movie. Whoa, this, this is movie it's, looks insane. <laughs> man, it's it sounds like this movie was just a pain in the ass to make. Like it sounds like they worked so hard to get this thing made, and at every turn, it seemed like it was never going to happen. And you know, people always say that about their movies. Like, it's a miracle that this even happened. It's like, and I, I'm with you. Any movie's hard to make, I'm sure. But like, uh, the Mortuary Collection, like, they did a damn good job of hiding that it was hard for them at all because this is one of the best anthologies I've seen in a long time. Uh, like, definitely up there with Scare Package. Like, I, I loved Mortuary wow. Collection. Like, all three shorts were awesome. And it's also starring, uh, Kyle, did you get into Euphoria? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. fucking awesome. I can't remember the actor's name, but you know, like the jock character that, who's like uh, his dad yeah. is kind of a douche. He's he's one of the main actors in a segment. And it's one of the most insane oh, segments cool. I've seen in a while. I, 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 bo- I think both of you guys would really enjoy this one. It's definitely going to be one I'm going to be talking about, about talking about at the end of the year. 
but it's one that you can check out on Shutter right now. So um, I know oh. Boozy, you, you have access to my Shutter account. So go hard, have Bless your heart. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the movie just looks amazing. Like the decorations are all top notch. One of the very few times a crypt keeper as horror host in a new movie worked for me. So it is like. I, I really think, well, Clancy Brown is a great actor. He's a very talented actor. And they put him in some pretty heavy prosthetics and everything. And I'm sure some people are going to nitpick and pick it apart and be like, first of all, because he's telling all these stories. And it's like, how is he sharing this story about this kid and his dick? So there is a segment about a dick. And it's it's amazing. It's amazing. But you just don't ask those questions because everything else is just so good. Like everything about this movie, I really loved it. And um yeah, I just the the segment with the douchebag from Euphoria was one of the most wild segments I've seen in a while. Uh, it will Jacob grab Alordi, I think that's his name. Yeah, 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 that's it. It will grab your attention, and I personally think it's brilliant. I loved this movie. Courtney and cool. I both really enjoyed it. So, um, awesome. big glowing review for me for the Mortuary Collection on Shutter now. Boozy, you got anything else? You know what? I'm tapped out. That's all I got. Oh, Wait, dude. no, Boozy. I need to know your thoughts on Frozen Kiss. I, uh, thanks, Kyle. What's Frozen Kiss? <laughs> it's uh, a possible student film on Tubi. <laughs> it is something. Kyle must be looking at my letterbox. I was trying to expunge that from talking about this movie. Okay, uh, can I read your review? Sure. I can't even remember what I wrote. This is an official uh, boozy review of 2009's Frozen Kiss. My mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. There it is. That's the review. Yeah, I read that one. That was a good one. <laughs> it was not good, man. All right. Checks out. I, I thought I, nope, I, I had somebody had it on their list of movies. I was like, movies you've never seen that are low key good. And I had it. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, not uh, not good. So, sorry okay. to anyone who worked on it. it. It looks like a student film. That's okay. fine. You're, you're going to be making yeah. a student film. I can't yeah. wait to say that about yours. I can't wait no, to be no, like, that's well, a... Boozy, it looks like a student film. I, I've gotten oh, more God. creative in how I shit talk people now. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to knock off. I have a couple more. Um, two more that, or sorry, three more that I for sure want to get through. I have so much, you guys, but uh, I'm not going to talk about them all. I'll probably do a little conglomerate of the other ones I've watched and just fire them off at the end. Um, but I'm going to knock off the one that this and Mortuary Collection are the two best movies I've saw, I've seen in the last like week, uh, not including our main features here. One BR. So oh. this was the movie that Eduardo Sanchez brought up on the podcast. And also I heard uh, Darcy Meredith of 3000 Movies to Die Before You Watch. He, uh, he also told me that it's very good. I think him and Jen both saw it and they really liked it. But we decided to give it a shot. And the synopsis is Sarah tries to start anew in LA, but her neighbors are not what they seem. So it's a, uh, you know, a horror movie <laughs> that sounds like a horror movie synopsis. And uh, that's what it is. But man, what a crazy little indie movie. Like this thing to me is what it's all about. Like this is taking one location and turning it into a bizarre and grand story. It's one location, but it feels huge. And uh, by the, and by saying one location, it does happen to be like a condo complex. So they, they can go into a couple different rooms, but uh, it's definitely a very, it's a small independent movie. And I kind of, if I were to, to compare it to anything, I would say it's like the invitation meets starry eyes, not to, Whoa. you know, put two big fucking uh, buzzwords for boozy. And I know Kyle didn't like starry eyes. 
which is why I was hesitant to say it. But uh, it all, like starry eyes are martyrs. Like it, it honestly has like a, a little bit of a martyr's vibe, but it's not it's not as wow. miserable. I, actually, ignore that because that's going to be that's going to deter you. Um, no, but I'm man, trying to it, watch. I'm trying to watch martyrs. <laughs> yeah, but OK, so one VR is on it's on Netflix, though. So you can watch it on Netflix. And let me oh, tell you, cool. let me tell you guys. Tell me. Any and if I were any more on the edge of my seat, my ass would have been on the floor. <gasps> wow. Guys. Oh shit. I thought this movie was great. Uh, I wow. loved it. And uh, this is once again a weekly mention of a boozy movie. <laughs> I think boozy would dig this one. But uh, and director. I thought Kyle, cool. Kyle, you should yeah, yeah, first time director. Like this that's just what I mean by it. It's like no wonder Eduardo it kinda talked about it and it stood out to him because it's kind of similar. Like, obviously I'm not going to compare it to the Blair Witch Project. Right. But, you know, you always see these young filmmakers trying to make like their first feature that's, you know, single location or like, you know, you don't have all the resources to work with. This movie is a glowing example of what you can do with like not very much. Granted, there's still like, they got some like real talent in the movie. The actors are all good. Yeah. I don't know. I really liked it. So that's one BR. Cool. I really Another, like that Mitch caters the podcast to what I like. Yeah, I, tr- <laughs> God, I try. Bless your heart. <laughs> and there are some, uh, there will be some where I'll thank Kyle, but we do happen to be like, yeah, I, I've been watching happens. a lot of, I've been watching a lot of culty horror movies and I know what Kyle likes. And like, I don't know, I would say watch one BR Kyle, if you're interested, it's definitely, there's a chance you could really enjoy it. I think if just for the filmmaking alone, it's uh, it's impressive. I think there's an untapped market inside of Kyle that we just haven't found. Like there's a, there's a subgenre. <laughs> I'm a that business. Kyle, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that Kyle really likes. We just haven't. Once we hit him with one of it, he's gonna buy like. It's, dude, it's stay alive. But like, yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping there's a different one. <laughs> I fucked so hard with stay alive. I honestly, almost watched it again. Okay, <laughs> oh really... so this. <laughs> this next one I this next one I have is it's a rewatch and I know Boozy's seen it but I actually can't remember if Kyle has seen it. Uh first time I that I re, I haven't rewatched this movie since I think we first started the podcast. So it's been about 4 years, which is actually a long time for me. I rewatched the movies that I love quite a bit. But I'm talking about The House of the Devil oh. from 2009. No, I've so never good. seen this. Written so and directed good. by Ty West. This is a Kyle movie. Boom. Boom, here we go. Kyle, you'd love this movie. Wait, Kyle cool. was when we were talking about our decades movie. We had this discussion, right? Because we were trying to figure out if it was from 2010. Because we all yeah, wanted it on the list. Oh, yeah. right, true. true I'm already right. bringing this up. This is already yeah, in my watch. Yeah, this is in my watch list already. So yeah, we must have talked about it. Sweet. Okay, yeah. sick. So in 1983, financially struggling college student Samantha Hughes takes a strange babysitting job that coincides with a full lunar eclipse. She slowly realizes her clients harbor a terrifying secret putting her real life in mortal danger. So this one's starring uh, Jocelyn Donahue and Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig is in this movie. What? Yeah, she's an actress in it, or actor, sorry. And uh, she's awesome in it. But uh, we also got Tom Noonan, the original Red Dragon from Manhunter, uh, Mary Warnov, A.J. Bowen, and just a buttload of Satan. This movie's just filled up with some Satan. Honestly, I, th- like you know, people have talked about this movie enough. I don't need to go on for too long. I agree. I agree with the people who say it's a modern masterpiece. This is yep. for me. This is Ty West's best movie. I, I love it. I love this movie so much. But I think this is maybe the most authentic looking and feeling '70s inspired movie. Like you know, yeah. like there's so many of those movies that try to pull off like a different era, and it just doesn't feel entirely right. House of the Devil like just feels so authentic, and that's what I love about it. And Jocelyn Donahue is just so goddamn good in this movie. So. Yeah, I love House of the Devil. Oh. Highly recommend checking it out. 
it's a little bit of a slow burn, but I, I don't, I personally don't think it's as slow as everyone says it is, but it's uh, an hour and a half. How slow can it be? Come on. Well, yeah, but it's cause it's one of, it's another one of those single location movies where like, this sounds up my alley actually. It's great, man. And this would, this would be a really good one for you to watch around Halloween, Kyle. If you're looking for something for you and Caitlin to watch that you, you want a new creepy movie. House of the my Devil. Peep game. My peep game. Um, no, Mitch, you going back to something you just said before there. You're so right. Is this is the most authentic like '70s movie that isn't from the '70s, and it's hard to not like compare it to movies like that because it, it does dabble like I don't know. There's a little bit of like Amityville in it. There's like a little bit of like Texas Chains. You know what I mean? And you don't yeah. want to like throw those names on there, but at the same time, it does feel like that. You can you can tell that Ty West like is a true talent, which yeah. he obviously proved to be. I really wish you'd go back to doing some horror. Um, Cause I, the last thing I saw him do, I think was in the Valley of violence, which was his Western with John Travolta and Ethan Hawke. And uh, fuck me. Did I hate that movie? <laughs> like I just, I didn't really like, and I love Westerns and Ethan Hawke and John Travolta, but not John Travolta in a Western. Now I don't know about that, <laughs> but no, the movie it's just, it's just a really solid, awesome horror movie. Uh, so that's a, a big recommend for anyone listening who hasn't had a chance to see that, or hopefully this will inspire you to give it another watch. Cause it's one of those movies that for me, it gets better every time. It was a first time watch for Courtney. She had never seen it. Cool. And yeah, she adored it obviously. <laughs> yeah. And then the last brand new one I'm going to talk about is I checked out vampires versus the Bronx. <laughs> Do you Are guys you? know about this movie? <laughs> yes. I wait. It's yeah, on Netflix yeah. now. It's a new Netflix I saw, movie. I think our, our friend of the show, uh, Chris Stuckman, did a uh, did a review yes. on this. I believe. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't see that. I just, he's been doing reviews of like uh, like old horror movies lately. I haven't watched a video of his in a while, but no, it was a while back, or maybe not that long ago. But it was a couple weeks ago. He posted that. I noticed. That's how I found out about it. But yeah, you said it's Netflix, right? Yeah, it's on Netflix. So the synopsis yeah. is: a group of young friends from the Bronx fight to save their neighborhood from gentrification and vampires. This looks sweet, dude. You guys might like it. Uh, this is a kid-friendly horror movie. I did not know it's a kid-friendly right. movie. That's I, actually all I really remembered about it, that it was, the, like, for younger I, kids or for even, younger people. All I, all I heard about it was everyone was like, it's like Attack the Block, but with alien, or with vampires. I'm like, okay, that's an am- amazing movie, so of course I'll give this a shot. It's a, almost nothing like Attack the Block. <laughs> like It has, like, you know, those few things, like, you know, it's kids fighting a force, but... There's just something like the teenagers, I get it, it's a kid's movie and it's trying to appeal for a bunch of people, but where it was pulling me out is like how these teenagers are calling, they're killing vampires and calling them suckheads. I, I, <laughs> I'm just not into the the whole suckhead thing. I don't know, it really grinded yeah. my gears. It's just not so, something I can get behind. But the annoying part of this is the cast is all super likable and you can tell that they're good, but like the whole clear, it's obviously they're, they're making it, it's in the synopsis of the movie that it's all about gentrification but at some point, it just like are forgetting to just tell a really compelling story, in my opinion. But uh, this is also not that kind of movie. I think it's it's meant to just be kind of fluffy fun. But they're at the same time they're dealing with some pretty heavy subjects. So uh, it just it didn't really connect with me. I, I wasn't very into this one. Like the some of the ways that they justify like how the when they kill vampires they like burst into ashes like in Blade. And it's because these kids like grew up watching Blade and obsessing over blade because like you know it's another black actor they could see themselves in him i understand all that i also love blade um but i just thought it was a little yeah i don't know it just didn't do much for me so that was a that was a clear two and a half for me but 
Yeah, that's, Fair enough. that's kind of a bummer. I was actually hoping for something a little more fun. Boozy, do you know how many times I have not liked movies that you have just adored? <laughs> so give it a shot. You might like it. Sure. If, it am... sound, if it sounds cool to you, give it a shot. I'm thinking this could be fun, but I see what you're saying, Mitch. Like, while you're kind of describing it, I could also see it. Maybe it doesn't have too much to offer, but it's a good concept. Yeah, totally. Do you guys mind? I, I just want to get rid of all of my movies on my phone so I can start fresh as of tonight. <laughs> dude, dude, because just go right ahead because at this point I'm just getting consumed by looking at what Tubi has to offer for reality shows and it's fucking insane. It's just so fucked up. Like, it's it's Hell almost yeah. offending me. Anyway. Well, I'm really happy you'd rather look at that than listen to me talk. <laughs> I'm, multi- I'm multitasking, okay? <laughs> hey, I rewatched Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark from last year. Oh, this yeah, is a yeah, movie. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, Andre Overdahl, director Troll Hunter, Autopsy Jane Doe. Yeah, this is a movie that uh, I really liked last year. I, th- I put it on my top 10, and I know it, for the most part, it seemed like people just were either lukewarm or didn't really care for it at all, but. I really like this movie. I think it's aesthetically pleasing and not offensive in any way. Like, that's just how this is another movie where it's clearly geared for younger kids, but they do a really good job of making it actually creepy. The problem is it misses nearly every single demographic that it goes for. So it's like too scary for kids and then it's too like kiddie for adults. But then there's the people in the middle ground like me and uh, Boozy. I think you liked it. You liked it? Mm hmm. Yeah, it's just it's the Halloween aesthetic that I really like about this one. But uh, when I hear people complain about how bad the CGI in this movie is, I just honestly wonder about the other one million movies that they've likely not seen <laughs> that are have CGI because <laughs> this is not bad CGI, you guys. Like the CGI in that final segment, it's not only not bad; it's some of the best that this like mainstream genre has to offer, in my opinion. Like that Jangle right. Man or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like. It, what are, what the hell were they supposed to do with that? I thought they there's so many scenes where it's clearly someone in a suit and then they spice it up with some CGI. And I think they did a really good job of making it just look creepy and cool. Like, uh, I, I don't find it any, I don't find it offensive at all. I just, I think it's a, a pleasing Halloween movie. It's something that you can watch around this time of year. And I'm happy that it didn't, it, uh, if anything, I think it's just on the same, I feel about the same about it as I did the first time I watched it, which is nice. Was this a PG-13 uh, movie? Yes, it was. Okay, well then, yeah, what's the problem with that then? Because I can understand that if it was 14A and that it like, is clearly like getting out of the hands of like a certain audience. Yeah. But if it's PG-13, then you're literally going for thir- like 13 Not only that, it's also based <laughs> off children's books. Like granted, they're like the scariest, tri- no, they're known to be like the scariest children's books. That's another thing I should say is I didn't grow up with the scary stories to tell in the bo- dark books. Like, so I didn't have that right. going into the movie. It wasn't like going into Goosebumps or something like I was a Goosebumps kid, like crazy. We've talked about that at nauseum on the show. But like True. scary stories to tell in the dark. I I knew the covers and like a few of the stories just from hearing people talk about them. But I, I didn't go into it with any like preconceived notion of what it should be and what it shouldn't be. And I, I just yeah. thought it was really enjoyable. And I think it's a really good movie to watch around this time of year. And uh, I'm looking forward to the day if I ever, God forbid, have kids. This is one that I'm going <laughs> to want to watch with them, you know. That's kind of cool, though. Like, I haven't seen this film yet, but just based on what you're talking about, like, what I'm thinking about myself is, like, 13 years old and, like, wanting to actually go to a theater of my own to watch a movie that is, like, even a little bit scary, a little bit spooky, like, does what it's supposed to. Like, that that hits all the marks. Like, when you're 13, you can't go and watch fucking Saw. Like, you, it does, yeah. it, you, you legally can't. So, like, you need something like that that is at least catering to you. I think sometimes when we're, like begrudging old men we forget about that sometimes and uh 
yeah. that's honestly a problem at times. I agree. I agree. So I have four four left, but I'm going to be very quick about them. Jesus I'm gonna, Christ. I know. I'm going to put these two together. A machine. Okay. I um, exit out of Tubi. Yes. So these are all rewatches. All of these are rewatches. Um, and they're all kind of set around the Halloween season, or at least something that would be good to watch around this time of year. And that is why I'm going to talk about Sleepy Hollow from 1999, the Tim Burton movie. I've been movie. thinking about that movie yeah. a lot lately. Didn't this and, come out recently? Didn't we just, yeah, yeah, we talked about it with recently, Daniel. Because yeah. like, to me, this is like, when I was a kid, like this was a gothic movie to me. Like I loved the aesthetic of it. And yeah. I think this was the movie that made me realize that this type of storytelling is something that I'm really attracted to. And right. uh, I love the whole aesthetics of this movie. But man, if it weren't for Jeffrey Jones stinking up the place with his like literal pedophile vibes, this movie would be a masterpiece. <laughs> Jeffrey Jones is in this movie. He's a pedophile. And he yeah. he had already been convicted at this point, And Tim Burton still put him in the movie. Like, that's what? a problem. Holy yeah, you, shit. Have, you guys didn't know I, about that? I know. I know. I, I, know, no I know that exactly. Is. Yeah. Like, I know I, who he is, but I didn't know the, that detail. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, no, he sucks. But the movie <laughs> itself is so good. And, he, you know, he's not a, in a big, big portion of the movie or anything. But the action sequences are really impressive in this movie. That's what I personally feel in not to mention just the the set and the cinematography. There's strong performances across the board. And like, if I didn't like, I know that last week I didn't mention that they did reshoots for the last 10 minutes of cursed the Christina Ritchie movie, but like Christina Ritchie's forehead grew two sizes and her eyebrows were all sorts of fucked up at the end of cursed. I don't know. I, I feel like I needed to mention that, that like okay, at the end, okay. of, that's okay. the end of cursed, but she's, this is, I think, Okay, so 1999, when was Cursed? Okay, so this was this was before, obviously. Yes, yeah, yeah, this was before. five years before. She's great in this movie. She's really good. And like that's all, I don't want to make it seem like I'm a Christina Ritchie hater. I'm just saying that if you've seen Cursed and you try to tell me that her performance is anything other than dog shit, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> Um, I need to yeah. watch this movie now. Like at this point, I need to see. Oh God, it's rough. But yeah. Oh, and I also had a bunch of people. All right, Cody, both Cody and Jeff. Jeff Thiessen messaged me about how uh, Rick Baker did not do the end, the end werewolf design in that movie. So thanks for reaching out, guys. I oh, <laughs> I just know that a couple of couple listeners heard that and were like, hey, I should let Mitch know that he doesn't need to worry. That wasn't Rick Baker. But tying in with Sleepy Hollow, a movie that I just love, obviously, this is, it's a classic for me. I was the right age when I saw it. Once again, 1999, my dad, it was, this is when, like, it was, the, the parents were, had decided that they're getting a divorce, but they were still in the same house. Yeah. Oh, issues yeah. just came out. Like Issues well, just came out. Yeah. yeah wild times. <laughs> Columbine. Was, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> but also, I'm talking about Frank and Weenie. Have you guys both seen Frank and Weenie? Yeah, I, <laughs> I like Frank and Weenie. Man, I fuck hard with Frank and Weenie. But yeah, this another, is where, another Burton, another Burton classic. Exactly. But this is where Tim Burton, he's been dead and stuck in limbo for years at this point. Like he's been it's probably his last good film, I guess. By far, it's his last yeah. good film. But the thing is, it feels like he's trolling us because if he can make a movie this good, what, what what's happening? Like Frank and Weenie's great, and that's a really good, another good uh, kid-friendly movie. That oh, absolutely, yeah. I love that movie. So yeah, I wanted to give some love for Frank and Weenie. I, saw, uh, I last... think sometimes people don't give that one enough love because it came out around. I think it came out the same year as Paranorman. I think everybody fucked with Paranorman and did True. not fuck with Frank and Weenie. So yeah, I, and I also think people thought that like I re- I remember having arguments with people of being like Tim Burton just lost his mind. Like Frank and Weenie, like what what's he thinking? I'm like, do you really? That's like one of his first shorts that he ever did. 
Like Frankenweenie's been in his DNA since the beginning. He started doing this shit. Like he finally just made a movie the way that he wanted to. And I think it turned out great. Last two movies that I watched just uh, did a rewatch of Idle Hands, a movie that if you ever want to hear me at my absolute drunkest on this show, it was when Jeff and Johnny were there. <laughs> I know, Boozy, you still haven't seen this movie. And it drives me crazy because uh, this was a movie I grew up with. Once again, another 1999 movie. And the, the reason I had Columbine on the mind <laughs> was because, no, this this was actually a movie that was pulled. They they weren't they delayed the release because of Columbine. Really? This, wow. Oh yeah, and like it got it, this movie got buried so hard. Even once it once it was eventually released, people didn't see it because like the they just didn't market it very well because it's like they didn't want to see teens inflicting harm on each other, you know. But right. Devin Sawa, Seth Green, that fat guy from Daredevil, what's his <laughs> name? You know, talk about he's, I think he's in, I think he's right <laughs> but, uh, man, I've seen yeah. this movie. I watched the movie so long ago, but I, I'd like to rewatch it. It's been a long ass time. Yeah, Jessica I, Alba's first movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I love, oh yeah. And it's also got featuring Tom DeLonge of Blink-182 for like isn't two he, seconds. Isn't the offspring? Don't they play? The offspring song? plays. Yep. And, uh, what's his name? Dexter gets his head scalped by the hand. Fuck, I love Idle Hands, and it's a it's a great Halloween movie. So, uh, people out there, cool. if you for some reason haven't seen Idle Hands, I picked up the Scream Factory edition of it. Obviously, I own the DVD already. I'm an idiot, um, but I I bought the Scream Factory for the special features. I wanted to learn more about this movie, and not gonna lie, this is one of the first times I've been pretty disappointed by their special features on it. I feel I like there's not not much there. But uh, Idle Hands is one that I like. I want to know more and more about that movie because it it was it played a very seminal role in the upbringing of uh, this giant show that you guys are looking at right now. But yeah, so that's Idle Hands. Last but not least, finally, rewatch Ghost Ship. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's a Kyle, have you seen Ghost here. Ship? No, I have not Kyle. seen Ghost Ship. Kyle, do you think it's so- out? This, hold on, let me look up Ghost. Is it the one I'm thinking of? 2002. Yeah. Good year. Mud Vane. Not following. Not following. <laughs> the, the U self-title. Um, yes, that was a great, great album. But no, this oh, movie. Yeah. This is what. I, this is the movie I'm yeah. thinking of. Okay, I have not seen this, but I I know of it. It's pretty much famous for having an incredible opening five minutes, and then the rest of the movie being dog shit. Like that's what it's generally known as. Gotcha. So I think I had seen this movie before, but it had been a long time, like since it like was released, because obviously this isn't a good movie. But I don't think this movie is as bad as people remember it. Like, in my no. opinion, it's it's not it's not anything great or even good for that matter, but it's it's perfectly entertaining. And I think that there's some really cool like ghost stuff on the on the ghost ship. But uh yeah, I don't know. I was it's it's actually a blessing that this movie did it it has so much mud vein in it there's so much fucking mud vein in this <laughs> that truly <laughs> is a blessing okay yeah, well, like, do you, that that makes Uzi, sense. when you when you eventually watch it again you're gonna love there's the scene where like the captain of the ship is he's driving it like or steering it and he's just cranking not falling by mud vein <laughs> and he's just rocking out and it's like okay so did they have like some kind of there had to have been something in the deal about Mudvayne being featured in the album that they the had deal. to play like they had to play like th- thirty seconds of it or something in the contract for the movie. Like they, Wait, Carl Urban is in this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Young babyface Carl Urban. Yeah, that was actually really, really depressing because I looked it up and 
Carl Urban was my age when he filmed this movie. So those are the types of things that bum me out. Like, I don't, I don't like comparing my, I, I often compare myself to everyone. Um, Wait, what do you mean he was your age? Like he's your age he was 30, now? He was, he was 30 years old when he filmed Ghost Ship. And I just feel like I should be so much further in my life. I should be filming Ghost Ship. Right no, now. no, no. Hear me out. Hear <laughs> yeah, me out. You want to film Ghost Ship. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is a good thing, Mitch. That means, as far as I'm concerned, that was the start of his career. It probably wasn't, but let's just say it was. That means yeah. right now the Terra Table is your Ghost Ship and you're about to be in the boys in like 20 years. You've never made so. You've never said something that makes more sense than the Terra Table is our Ghost Ship. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> but, if there's uh, any movie I want to be fucking yeah. considered against. The very last thing I'll say about Ghost Ship is Gabriel Byrne is in this movie. And in my opinion, Gabriel Byrne is that rare actor who he fits just as well in a top-notch horror movie like Hereditary as he does in straight-up schlock like this and uh, oh, what's it? Vampire Stigmata. St- oh, is he in Vampire Academy? Yes. I don't. Is that a thing? Vampire Academy? We'll leave it at that. But yes, I don't, yeah. no. But is he in that? Yes, yes, he is in that part. Yeah, and Stigmata. Yeah, yeah, Stigmata and Gabriel Byrne. Like he's just such a character. But uh, it's so funny seeing how like because he's so good in Hereditary, and he's so good at being shitty in this as well. <laughs> like he he does his job. He's just very good at his job. Uh, so it's kind of surprising that he ended up in a movie like Ghost Ship. But yeah, so that's uh, those are the movies I've watched. I've watched a lot. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> can I can I do a, a ghost ship story real quick? Yes. So it was there was a kid in my elementary school who had the exact same name as like we were both Anthony's. So he invited me over for a sleepover for his birthday, and there was like twelve or thirteen of us, just a bunch of like fucking rambunctious kids. We were like we were ten because Ghost Ship just literally came out, so someone's mom rented it for us. And we kept playing the outro to the song just to listen to Mudvayne over and over. Yes. And then I went to CD Plus like a week later and like took all my like money I had accumulated and I bought that Mudvayne CD. The end and of I all things like, to come. Yeah. And I remember just this like this super tatted up lady at the CD store being like, oh, I did not expect you to buy that. And I was like, oh, thanks. And that, that was yeah. like that was my story. So I love Ghost Ship for that i guess oh man i <laughs> okay, totally get okay. it that's like when uh, my plague kicks in at the end of resident evil like Res- the slipknot song oh, totally like, that was huge and uh resident evil 2 had uh the end of heartache by kill switch like there's and then cursed had that song by uh collective soul <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> you did like, such a good job of singing yeah, last yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys all right well do you guys want to talk about our uh film at hand Let's get into it. All right, we'll be right back with uh, our main feature. Science couldn't explain it, but there it was, alive in the deep, deep waters of the Amazon. A throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago. Immensely strong and destructive. A woman's beauty, the bait that brought it out of its lair. See underwater thrills never photographed before. See Titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before in this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures. And welcome to our main feature presentation in which we're going to be closing out our Universal Monster series with Kyle's pick, Creature from the Black Lagoon, which came out in 1954. A strange prehistoric beast lurks in the depths of the Amazonian jungle. A group of scientists try to capture the animal and bring it back to civilization for study. 
this film was directed by Jack Arnold, who also did The Incredible Shrinking Man, Tarantula, Revenge of the Creature, which is the sequel to this film. It came from Outer Space 3D. But yeah, Fuck this you. film was written by Harry Essex and Arthur Ross. It's starring Richard Carlson, Julie Adams, Richard Denning, Antonio Marino, and Ben Chapman and Rico Browning as the Gill Man. Uh, so that's Ben Chapman and Rico Browning. They both played different iterations of the, the Gill Man. One is right. underwater, one is on land. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much everything to get us started here. I have a bunch of stuff to talk about. This is obviously a movie that... Uh, I hold near and dear to my heart. I was very happy that Kyle chose it. Kyle, why did you choose Creature from the Black Lagoon? Because this is a first time watch again for both of y'all. Correct. First time watching this one. Uh, to be completely honest, I've been meaning to watch this movie for a fucking long time. Like this has been like the number one universal monster film or even like, I don't know, film from like the golden age or silver age of Hollywood cinema that I've been meaning to watch for such a long time and I think a lot of that just stems from the character design I've always thought like Gilman or the creature just looks so fucking cool and so I don't know without even seeing the film just felt influential like I could just see how that like had eventually evolved into so many other streams of media streams of film genre films all kinds all kinds of stuff and I was always curious, like, how goofy this film was. Because I always had this sense that this movie was a little bit wacky. <laughs> I don't know why I felt that way, but I really did. Uh, and I like some wacky. What can I say? Um, that being said, this movie, like, with that in mind, this movie wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised with Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, we'll get into our thoughts from there on, of course. But... Yeah, generally speaking, I just thought the guy looked cool. I was like, yeah, I want to see what this creature's about. <laughs> Let's go from there. Hell yeah. And Boozy, what about you? You'd never seen this movie, but uh, I assume that you have some sort of interest in it because if we're being honest here, you guys, if it wasn't for Creature from the Black Lagoon, we wouldn't have Alien. We wouldn't have Predator. We wouldn't have all of these creature movies that we are so obsessive with now. Like we, right. we talk about Alien on almost every every episode. And there are direct scenes that seems like Ridley Scott was like yeah. influenced by. And I know, uh, like even I know you can only trust what Stephen King says so much, but he did say that like this is the first movie he remembers seeing, so it had some kind of lasting, you know, right. impact on his psyche. And he went on to become one of the most greatest writers of all time. Yeah. So the movie, the the influence is there. We obviously we all know about the influence. We don't need to talk about it forever, but. This is clearly a heavily influential movie, and it seems like something that I've always wanted. I've always wondered what Boozy would think about this movie. And Boozy, what do you think? You know what? You said a ton of stuff I was going to, but there's also a couple things I want to fill in before I talk about that. Is this movie really revolutionized something that I think Mitch, myself, uh, to an extent, really enjoy? Is uh, like river rafts. Um, like Jungle Cruise movies, right? with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yes. <laughs> I was hoping we would bring up Jungle Cruise. I, I fucking knew we would. Yeah. Well, that's not quite what I, I was going for. More of like a, a Anaconda. Oh you know, yeah, okay. like Placid. Um, Jaws, man. Even look Jaws, at Jaws. Like the, Jaws this Rogue. Yeah, but this movie clearly heavily inspired Jaws. Yeah, There's so yeah. many moments in this movie that uh, Spielberg clearly, clearly learned from. Or like, look at even like, I don't know if we did say it in that whole barrage of names, but Anacondas, it yeah. reminds me, you know what I mean? So 
So it, it brought forth so many things that I love. And I think the base story is such a cool concept. Yeah, I think out of the three we watched, this one I watched three times. And not just because I'd forgot about it. I just, like, I genuinely really like this movie. It's super cool. Yeah, and so I think it's because I like that whole idea of, like, the, the barge assault movies. And this is kind of the first one. And it's also really crazy to think that, because this is, what, 54? Yeah. It's crazy uh, to think that they did, like, so much of this underwater stuff. And I know a lot of it's, like, oh trickery, God. but they're still, like, they still legit did some of that shit. Yeah, they were, like, granted, even even if they were in a tank in the Universal lot, it's exactly. still impressive as hell. It's still yeah, impressive. That's amazing. And, yeah, and yeah. yeah, out of all the creature designs, I think this one is the one that changes the most. That you really, you know what I mean? Like, it stands out the most because it's not close to being a human compared to the Wolfman or, you know, Dracula. True, and yeah, like what yeah. you had said in your Snapchat to me, that that creature could probably give a wicked gummer. <laughs> oh, we're going to mention that, are we? We can't argue with that. That just seems like fact. <laughs> There's like that one scene where he comes up to look at the barge at night, and he's just doing that like goopy, yeah, goopy look fish. Look in my like, wet mouth. Yeah, and I was just, I was yeah, the mouth do? I'm sorry, I fetishized it a bit. Hey, I think you're, without the doubt, not the first person to do that. That's yeah, right. absolutely. Right. Well, I'm glad that's on record. Well, I'm super happy to hear that both of you guys enjoyed this. It's no surprise to me because, like, this movie is, is, like, it's close to a masterpiece. Obviously, it it has its issues, but for what for its time oh. and what what it does, like, it's just that this is, it's a cream of the crop horror Top movie. shelf. This is top shelf. Yeah, this is absolutely top shelf. And this is... Um, you know, Courtney and I, we sleep with a creature from the Black Lagoon poster above our bed. Like, we we love this movie so much. And, yeah, it was really fun. Like, I, I did the whole I did the whole series, uh, excluding The Mummy. That was the only one that I didn't watch out of all the classic Universal monster movies. Um, but I've always considered Creature from the Black Lagoon as, like, my favorite. And I still, like, it's definitely, I think it's top three for me. But I think Frankenstein took the edge this year on this rewatch. Like, I'm just, like, so horny about Frankenstein now. But um, we all. But are. this movie, but this movie, it's just so clear that like if you've listened to any of our episodes of the Terror Table, clearly, <laughs> this movie is influential on everything that we love. Without it, totally, uh, totally. Um, I have a question for you guys. Yeah, because a lot of this movie revolves around the the gill monster attacking people and them finding the person later. Mm-hmm. What do you think he do- does to them? I was wondering that too. I think like, he just. Then he just kind of rustles them up a bit, you know? Yeah, because they keep showing his gill hands all the time, so I don't know if he just, like, slaps them so hard. I, I don't think we fully <laughs> know what what those gills are capable of. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, what, it, it happens what, so fast, too. Like, maybe it's a flurry of slapping. We don't what fully the, know what the gills do. Yeah. What those gills do, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> was that a concern for you guys out. at all? Or were you excited? Like, were you okay uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It didn't cross my mind. It actually did cross my mind. I'm not going really? to think like, about that. He can drown people underwater. But yeah, what yeah, does totally. he do on land to just Kay. fuck people up so fast? Well, we kind of get some information when he when he really fucks up the one guy and leaves him his whole face into bandages. I assume yeah, he just right. he, he's just strong. He's got some yeah, he's strength. He's strong. He's, he's got yeah. like that monkey strength. He's a crustacean. And he also like uh, he really like scratches up um, what's his name David scratches him up pretty good eventually with his uh, gills, right? So I don't know. I don't think we have so a complete answer on it. Maybe he gives them but... sepsis. Maybe that's how he does. Maybe it. he gives them yeah. sepsis. That's a good. That's a good idea. Um, yeah. That's like I don't know if because like there's the the movie. I think it's another one of the you know these Universal movies. Not all of them are well. Like I don't think Dracula is very well paced. 
I think this movie's extremely well paced. Absolutely. And like oh, in the last it's like smooth, half, dude. It is smooth, but even in that last half an hour, it's just so action packed. But it's actually intense still. I still think it's intense till this day. The the fight between the Gilman and Z, like underwater. I just mm-hmm. think it's awesome. And uh, I'm ge- I feel genuine concern for both the monster and and the people in this one. You know, whereas in the Wolfman, I felt bad for. Larry Talbot for, you know, obviously he didn't want that to happen and he didn't intend to become a monster. And then you have movies like, um, you know, you have the same thing in Frankenstein where it's just like, it's a situation out of this monster's control. So you feel bad for them. And then the invisible man, he's actually an asshole and crazy. I highly, still highly recommend you guys do that one as well. But creature from the black lagoon, you got both sides. Like I, I feel for Julie Adams character and, uh, his uh, the the creep the gill man's obsession with with her in particular and uh, i just think it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful horror movie yeah i think the the kind of narrative of who we should be feeling sorry for or like who we should have empathy for it's it's really subdued which is what makes it work really well like it's not trying to like shove it in your face but it's also smart enough that it's there like it's not completely void of that like i think that was maybe maybe not all of us felt this way about dracula but that was kind of one thing we said like well dracula like solid film but doesn't really have like too much of like a narrative like backbone to chew on yeah exactly um you know but still a classic in itself as well of course uh but this it it really does and i think some people would say it doesn't though i feel like some people would say like okay the story's so simple though it doesn't have a lot going for it I do think there's a lot of like visual cues and sort of like, you know, whatever visual storytelling things that are going on that make you understand how this creature is feeling, what his like, you know, motives might be. Obviously, he can't fucking speak, but there's stuff going on that like make the viewer understand of like, you know, the greater consequences of these people just fucking up with this guy's turf. Like, I think <laughs> I think there is stuff going on here. Maybe it is a little bit of the subtext. You got to kind of peel it back a little bit. But even right. if you're not doing that, I still think there's a lot going on, which I think makes this film just stand out. Absolutely. Totally. And like the other thing that makes this movie, like I know that you should always just judge a movie on its own merit and for being its own piece of artistic, like its own artistic creation and everything. But do you guys know about Millicent Patrick? I don't, no. Okay, so Millicent Patrick, there's there's a book that I believe it came out two years ago. It's called Lady from the Black Lagoon, and it's written by Mallory O'Meara. And uh, so I'm just going to offer up like a little bit of a backstory on Millicent Patrick, because I think this is one of the most interesting things about the movie, and one of the reasons why it might be having a new resurgence now. Because I do see a lot of fandom for this one in particular. Out of all the Universal Monster movies, it seems like Creature's coming back the most in a big way. Uh, But in 1939, Millicent Patrick began working for Walt Disney Studios, and during her time there, she became one of the studio's first female animators. Millicent Patrick continued her career at Universal Studios and is cited as being the first woman to work in a special effects and makeup department. She is best known for being the creator of the head costume from the iconic Gill Man from the Creature from the Black Lagoon. Millicent Patrick created the design of the creature, although Bud Westmore who was the head of Universal's makeup department at the time, would take credit publicly for the creature's design. So Bud Bud Westmore is a next-level dipshit. (laughs) Or he was a next-level dipshit. But he was the top cheese... What's that? Yeah, he bet Bud Westmore is the top cheese of the Westmore makeup dynasty. So, like, if any listeners or you guys are are familiar with the show Face Off, uh, you know, the, the TV show Face Off, that's hosted by Michael Westmore and his daughter... 
those are uh, his. Those are Bud Westmore's so relatives. Weird like, connection. I'm not. This is fucked. This guy. Okay, continue. Well, it's a, he worked in makeup, so it's it doesn't. Just, make, it's just strange. This is just not the angle I thought we were going, but I'm ready yeah, for it. No, but uh, yeah, Bud would. He eventually he sent her on a press tour as a as a woman who worked in the makeup effects department for Creature, but he made her tell everyone that he designed the creature himself. And he eventually fired her because he was jealous of the attention she was getting. And he would allegedly like one of the things that he would do that a lot of people like Rick Baker has a story about this. And he shared it on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast when he was on uh, last year. Really good episode. But Rick Baker would talk about how Bud Westmore would have he, he would kick every artist out of the studio when photographers would come in. And he would like pose with a scalpel in front of other people's work. Like, that's who this fucking guy was. What a dick. Yeah, so this is, like, obviously, this has got... It stemmed back even earlier than Creature from the Black Lagoon, I'm sure, for, you know, unfair treatment of females in the in this industry. But it's, uh, it's unbelievable that Millicent Patrick is the creator of the Creature from the Black Lagoon. She came up with that design. And after he fired her, she didn't work again. She didn't work in makeup again. And it's, like, one of the what? greatest tragedies wow. in film history. So that that's just something that... Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a terrible story, but it's also, you know, I think it's important for people to to learn now because obviously the you know the world has changed, but not not as much as it should have yeah. by this point. But um, yeah, the shit's just been going on forever, man. And uh, I'm really I actually haven't read Lady from the Black Lagoon. I own a copy, but I haven't read it yet, and uh, I really want to. So I'm gonna probably do that over the next couple of months here. Man, that's interesting. You know, I think I think it's clear as to why she was getting so much attention that he was like, so butthurt about is because she nailed it. She fucking nailed it out of the park. Crushed it. This design is it's iconic in like so many different ways. It's like iconic as like just purely a design like standpoint. It's like the way it looks is what I'm saying. But then it's iconic in like a costume design and like practical design. There's so much like it changed what a man in a suit could do. I wanted oh, totally. to watch this movie because the design looked good. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. That's a testament to her work. So that's yeah. that's interesting, no, though. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely good context. I think that adds to sort of like the you the know mythos. The, the mythos, but also I maybe maybe they weren't aiming for perfection, but like there's sort of like a perfect quality about this film. Maybe it's happy accidents. I don't know, but I think that just adds to the overall quality of what this movie is outputting. Like, right. it just has a lot going for it. Do- do you guys feel like this movie's ready for a remake? I was thinking yeah. that because they keep talking about it. They keep talking about it. Whatever, man. Uh, I like. I know uh, there are people out there who aren't into the new Invisible Man remake, but uh, like right. I said on the, I think it would have been on the Wolfman or last week's episode, where like watching the original Invisible Man again made me appreciate the remake. So right. I, I'm, I'm down for them to do these because it's just. It's going yeah. to happen. It's going to happen whether we like it or not. So you may as well embrace it, it to to an extent, obviously. Like if there are people like Lee Winnell out there, you know, making interesting decisions with them, then right. let's that's see what a, we can yeah. do. That's exactly I don't, it. I, I don't think creature is something untouchable. I do no, think I, I, no. I think that it lives in its own it lives in its own world where it's it's always going to be legendary for this movie will prevail over any remake or anything like that you know right. it will prevail also yes. between like any of the kind of classic monster movies this is the one that i don't like crossing over compared to any of the other ones i'm like yeah wolfman and the vamp like dracula can hang out <laughs> just like i don't i want the creature to just hang out in the lagoon i don't need him fighting <laughs> no nah, what, what about monster squad i just like Yo man's awesome in monster squad <sighs> yeah you know 
to the remake thing, the only Total thing that context. Ma- the only thing that makes me kind of scared about it is I feel like it it's just very easy with this particular subject matter to right. completely just fuck it up. Like I yeah. think that's and the only thing. Like this I this would be a very easy one to fuck up. It's Dude, just very easy. Garbo could do this. Well, he kind of, he kind of did. We'll get there yep. maybe. But uh, yep. <laughs> uh, the thing about it for me is the, the concept of just like a creature like scaring civilians or scaring like a a, a pretty girl like that right. can just be done so like half-assed. And I think right. that's the only scare. Maybe maybe there have there's probably been a fuck ton of scripts that have been developed, and maybe they were like that, and so they didn't get made because they weren't you know for one studios maybe had a good point of view like oh we should have maybe make this because it's just like schlock i don't know yeah because i do think while it's not untouchable it would sort of be a disservice to make a schlocky creature from the black lagoon like mm-hmm. maybe it could be good like i don't want to like you even know. though that is what the sequels are and there are some people out there who like do enjoy those sequels i i can't speak right. on them because i haven't right. seen them I haven't uh, either. I guess I'm just saying strictly like this particular one. Yeah. It would just it would be a bit of a bummer if it just went down that route. However, you're right. Like the remake of the Invisible Man, I I fucked with that. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So I don't I don't see why I think why we're gonna happen. we're gonna have to see what happens with the Wolfman remake. Uh, this right. Ryan Gosling Wolfman. Uh, yeah. because this'll really tell like and granted that's another movie that's being made by the same guy who did the Invisible Man. But hopefully he's starting a trend by at least, you know, switching things up a bit here. Yeah, I would um, think so. Yeah. And the other thing that makes this movie stand out so much, and I know it's something that we talked about with uh, the Wolfman, is the score in this movie. Oh my God. Thank you. Oh, Man. Yeah. So he, Henry Mansoor's are great in this. Yeah. <laughs> Some great stingers. It kind of works like a silent film sometimes. Like the yep. way, especially like the underwater scenes where it's like just Gale Man swimming about, or, or even like when, um, I think her name's Kay, when Kay is yeah, first Kay. just. Uh, going in for a dip i guess uh like the music is playing to the emotion and to the action that's happening on screen like it's it's like it's like, like a, a symphony. heartbeat yeah, it's like a heartbeat the symphony yeah. is feels like it's playing live to the film it's like it's like a live score it's yeah. just feels so fucking i don't even i guess alive like it just feels yeah. like it, it, it's its own character it works totally. really really well yeah, I entirely agree. And like, so the score was done by Henry Mancini, who also did. Uh, I wasn't aware that this movie existed, uh, but in 1954, there was a movie called Saskatchewan. I saw that. that. Yeah, I saw that. Because to me, it just looks like a racist piece of propaganda, which and would I, be nothing shocking coming from, you know, Saskatchewan. I looked uh, into it. And um, yes, um, that's it, what it is. It pretty much is. Yeah, it's For based sure. on Fort Saskatchewan, which is technically in Alberta. Yeah. But yeah. anyhow. Yeah, it's still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he also, he scored Breakfast at Tiffany's, all of the Pink Panther, and uh, Toby Hooper's Life Force. So I love the the score in Life Force as well. But yeah, it's just like, it's like you got, we had already, or I guess Boozy already mentioned the Guillermo thing. Mm-hmm. Like the, he clearly did his own creature with uh, the shape of water. And that's what he was saying that he was setting out to do and everything. But I still think that that's, he made it enough of his own. Uh, granted, it was also written by Daniel Krauss, but like it was that's not yeah, a not clear a creature or something. Yeah. Right. I was, but it I was definitely gonna, has the influence. I was going to bring that up. I don't know exactly your guys' thoughts on shape of water. Do you guys fuck with shape of water around here? Uh, I didn't, I didn't like it that much, honestly. Not gonna okay. lie. Didn't like it that yeah. much. And you've heard me blow Guillermo del Toro to no end on this show. Right. Like I love Guillermo del Toro and I'm so happy you won an Oscar for that movie, but it's one of my least favorites of all of his films. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting then. So, 
So what do you think from that film? Like, what didn't work about it? Strictly in terms of, like, I guess, I don't know, the creature aspect of it. Like, what was it? I thought like all the cre- all the creature stuff worked. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was like, because for I me, think I there was a little too much it. sexual tension for me. I think I could. Lucy's not into the fish fucking. Yeah. Yeah, I could have used way less of that. You're fishophobic. What? That was the best part. Yo, fuck a fish, man. That's sick. Like <laughs> when he's like, filling it, when he's when they're filling up the bathroom. Oh, I just love goofy <laughs> shit like that. Like, why not? Like, fuck. That's a like only Guillermo can get away with taking a dumbass risk like that and play it it's off true. his art. It's so it's fucking true. cool, man. Like, you're not gonna see fucking. I don't know. You're not, not to mention the movie also opens up with uh, what's her name just beating it fiercely in the bathtub. <laughs> Insane. That's wild. <laughs> like she, she's jacking her shit in the bathtub. Yeah, that's respect, man. That's I don't hate them. I don't hate that movie at all. I just think that, like, in terms of Guillermo movies, it's not one of my favorites. Like, it's not. It yeah. doesn't touch. Doesn't touch pans. It doesn't touch Devil's Backbone. Yeah, that's fair. I get. Well, yeah. I can understand that. I guess I just couldn't help but think about that movie while watching this because, oh, yeah. while it's not a direct remake, like, there, it's just it's, it's a love letter. He's it's been saying letter, yeah. he was saying for years before that movie was even being made that he was making his own creature from the Black Lagoon. Like this is, and it's so clear that uh, how much of an inspiration this movie had on Guillermo. If you just look at him in the grand yeah. scheme of things, like his whole aesthetic, and uh, not only creature, but like just Millicent Patrick, like her work is like, you know, the thing of that's how he views his monsters. That's like it had to have been like his basis for how he forms his creatures. Right. I, that makes a lot more sense to me now. Even watch like after watching this and having seen Shape of Water, because one thing I liked about that film a lot was just its appreciation of like old Hollywood or like the yeah. glitz and glamour of that. And that is absolutely how I felt watching this movie. Like the look of it is just it has a lot going for it because it's like fucking buttery smooth. Like it just looks so visually interesting and has that great like Hollywood glow. But then at the same fucking time, it's like borderline experimental at times where like you have these underwater shots where you can barely see what the fuck is going on, but you still know what's, what is happening because of like audio cues or Mm -hmm. little things where like, um, the two, the two like main male leads when they're scuba diving or whatever, one of them has like one bat, one like c- cylinder on their backpack and the other guy has two. That's how you can pick them out. <laughs> like it's little yeah. things like that, that are just like really simple, but are completely well thought out. Uh, and they all kind of add to this idea of what a Hollywood blockbuster at the time was. Like when I think of a universal monster movie like this, like this is what I want out of it without a doubt. Like this is right. what I want. I really like that it does a good job of immersing you kind of in that environment. Because if you think about it, most of the people who would go to see this when it came out have never been in that environment that it's depicted in there. Or but to they a do movie. Such, yeah, some of them to a movie. But you know, like, you know what I mean? You're asking a lot of your audience to make them feel like they're in this jungle swamp in danger. Yeah. And I think for the time, like I think it did a really good job. And I'm sure... At the time, they're probably scared the shit out of people. And we just talked about like how good the stingers are. I think that's something that always stood out. Is they they really did a good job of making you feel the impact of any time the Gill Man was around. Absolutely, yeah. man. There's so much like actual like terror and suspense that kind of yeah. come up in this film. Like when he's first revealed, and like his like his full face is shown. Like it's it's actually it's actually pretty spooky. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And what's also crazy about this movie is that it was originally produced in 3D. Like, right. So this movie was released yeah. as a 3D movie. This was back in the day where they were trying to do all of the you know, gimmicks to try and get people to come, to come to movies and everything. And 
the, the, obviously this is a film that doesn't need 3D, but I also I haven't seen it in 3D, so I can't I can't I speak would, on if it would be good or not. I would like to see it because I was looking into that a little bit, and it it's not like the red and blue 3D; it's polarized light 3D because yeah. it's black and white film, right? So. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how the fuck that works. I was trying to look into it, and I think it's kind of like how, uh, like the stupid 3DSs, like 3D looks like. If you know what I'm talking about, listeners yeah. probably do. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's fucking possible. I mean, there must be a way to watch this film in 3D. I imagine. I would like to see it though, big time. Yeah, no kidding. And I like. I'm sorry to keep on just going back to like a, a remake, but now that you you put that in my head, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to imagine that they would make this movie without having some kind of like ecological stance oh, you know yeah. like they would because yeah, yeah. even there's the scene where um i think julie or Kay, she throws her cigarette in the in the in the water and there's just a shot of the gill man like looking up like what are you doing in my swamps <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah is it gonna take a weird stance the way like godzilla 98 did oh, what did they help. do again <laughs> it was like about like dumping radioactive yeah, shit in the ocean. Yes. There was like yeah, huge the, like oh yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking. But like the people of this movie, they're literally fucking obsessed with polluting. They couldn't pollute enough. They just love throwing <laughs> yeah. shit in the water. Like <laughs> it totally makes sense. <laughs> they had car like, batteries out there. They're throwing fucking discs of wa- like fucking some sort of white powder. They're just letting dead fish float around. Like <laughs> you're right, Mitch. There's almost no doubt that would that wouldn't come up or it would come up. Yeah. Because how else does this thing happen? <laughs> I, I guess. Also, yeah. do you love how everyone was trying to out-macho each other on the boat? I that do was like so that. funny yeah. watching that. I know, and especially think about that. Like, at the in the last, like, 25 minutes of this movie, it is just, like, it's almost like an action movie. But, yeah, like, totally. by 1954 standards. And, uh, but instead of, like... You know, we have Chris Hemsworth nowadays or, you know, all these like big buff dudes. Like instead we have Richard Carlson and Richard Denning and like yeah. it's they're just like kind of normal dudes with uh, just like normal bodies. And I kind of like I, like I like that. Uh, I think it's charming. Just a bunch of normies being normal. Yeah. There's <laughs> this one part where I think it it's what's his name? David. Yeah. Richard. Richard Carlson. He uh, he just like does a giant fucking pull up onto the ship. And I was just wondering, like, how many times did he have to do that take? Because he's he must be fucking ripped. Like, he probably was, didn't even know they were recording when he did that. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't know if I could do that once, and I know for a fact that guy probably did it like 20 times. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's a fantastic movie, but I I don't have a, a whole lot more I can say about that. That's the, the yeah. thing about these Universal movies is that you know we just did a series on movies that are they're bona fide classics. So what are we? What are you really going to say? And we're not going to be that podcast to try and teach you things about Creature from the Black Lagoon. There's other smarter and better podcasts out there that you can listen to uh, that'll teach you more about those types of things. But it was really fun visiting these movies with you guys, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did because so far this is uh, this made my Halloween season. This saved my Halloween season. Is this whole the vibes of the Universal monsters and getting into all these like Hammer movies? And I've been watching Vincent Price stuff like. Just this whole like kind of era, it's been, it's so refreshing and it's such a good feeling knowing that obviously as someone even as obsessed with this genre as I am, there's mm-hmm. still so much to learn. Yeah, there's totally. so much to learn. I always I think, think out of, oh, go ahead, Kyle. No, go ahead, man. I was just going to say, I think out of any of this, the like series we've done before, this one, maybe not the scariest or highest quality, but I think it was one of the more like exciting ones to do. 
it just it felt fun doing all these i didn't like hate any of these movies and you know what i mean obviously by today's standards they're not scary but it was fun just to watch that and kind of try and immerse yourself in that. I think this was an awesome series. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. And I, but like, I will say like out of the three that we watched, I do feel like there are moments in creature from the black lagoon that I can totally understand yep. scaring the shit out of people, like oh. especially back totally. in the day. Uh, but even now, like when, um, I mean, you guys have seen my setup. It's kind of like a home, like I have a theater at my own house and, uh, we, we crank the sound on this thing and we turn off all the lights and, it's uh, it's it's just it's amazing that this movie that came out what fucking seventy some years ago That's is uh, is still so effective and so beautiful and it's it's un it's been unparalleled since then, you know, you in, know in its own right. I was How many sequels did they do of this? Two other ones. <laughs> there's two other ones. Yeah. Then there's yeah they're a bit more schlocky. You're saying, Mitch? I don't know. I I always think though there's always like two sort of barriers to entry of like film for like normies. I guess I don't know or whatever you want to say. For me, I think about either like films with subtitle or films with. Uh, you know, Sorry, I was just saying. No, I thought my alarm. One of our alarms Who? was going off. Whose is that? It's not going off anymore. Wait, okay. Give me two seconds. I think it's mine. Oh, it is Kyle's. Look at that butt. Oh, gray sweatpants. Oh. Yes, love it. City. Yeah, my, house almost, my house almost burnt down, so. Well, I, either way, it gave us a chance to see your gray sweatpants. I love yeah. that. Uh, oh, I love your gray sweatpants, Kyle. Wow. Oh, Dude, yeah. Show us that bulge, them. baby. Well, well Whoa. Wow. Oh, drawstring and everything. You're welcome. It's like, it's like lace. <laughs> Remember Dude, when you couldn't wear those in high school? I actually do, without a doubt. Like, you did wear them or you couldn't? I did once and learned the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> see, you had an RB? That's a massive, massive flex for someone to have the balls to show up, you know, no pun intended, to show up with uh, gray sweatpants at sc- in high school. Oh, a huge flex. Like, an, like a weirdly specific flex, but a flex nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, because you're, okay, you're going to have you? an RB, a random boner. Okay, I have, one, I have one last I have one okay, last. What thought. were you saying before your fire alarm was going off? Okay, I'll get into it. Okay. I always think when it comes to like whether you're getting into film or you're just a, a fan of movies or anything like that, there's always kind of like two barriers to entry. And for a lot of folks, it's like subtitle, like foreign films, any movie with a subtitle. And then it's older films, like black and white black movies, and white. things from like this era, if not older. And that's why I was so happy to cover these movies. Like I know we did some older flicks um, was that earlier in the year. Fuck, I don't know how time works. Earlier yeah, in the year. Um, but just even getting to actually experience these monster movies that I have been surrounded by my entire life. Uh, it means a lot because you get to learn and kind of see how things have evolved over time. And it's just fucking clearly stated, especially in this movie. I think creature is the best example of it. They all, the other two movies we covered have a lot to offer as well, but this one just knocks it out of the park for me. If you haven't seen this yet, if you're like a dope, like me and boozy, you absolutely, uh, (laughs) you need to watch this. Yeah. Essential Um, viewing. I, I have to ask Kyle, now that you've been here for did you say forty-three? Was it was it forty-three we were celebrating at the start here? This is forty-four now, so Okay, wow. forty-four. Plus forty-four. Do you do you feel like you've grown <laughs> as a as a horror fan, especially now that we're hitting some of like oh. the roots and we've been all over the place? Like yes. how do you feel now? Absolutely. And yeah, I think I definitely have as a horror fan. I think I'm actually starting to understand what I like and dislike. Yeah, and, you're, yeah. you're vibe yeah. checking yourself. I've yeah. always, I've always known Kyle was a horror fan, and he just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. 
or you didn't fully know it fully. No. Like you didn't know how much of this genre there was for you. But the reason I wanted you on the show is because you're you're a very well spoken cinephile. Like you, what's, you what's know it your shit. When you like take someone's head and <laughs> yes, put it in the toilet and and flush it. What's that called? A, a swirly. A swirly. Yeah. Like I feel like we're we're having to do that to Kyle, like metaphorically, and yeah. like. And when we're watching like movies are going into his head. It's weird that we are giving him compliments now because we've been pretty like heavy on the roast the last like three uh, months. Well, he did well, say he had a Blu-ray. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. There we go. Yeah, Things you're in our respect, Things have, kid. Things yeah. have really changed. Honestly, <laughs> I think a lot of it came down to the Nightmare series. I think when we did Nightmare, that was like a turning point big time. That was a make or break for you? Yeah. Good. That's a place where you can learn some shit about yourself. And you learned a lot. Yeah, baby. All right, guys. Well, let's close this up. And uh, yeah, we will. If you follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at the Terror Table, um, individual pages. I'm Blair Mitch six 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 on Instagram. Where are you at, Kyle? I'm at Kyle Zer. And Boozy, okay. that's me. <laughs> uh, night underscore of underscore the underscore living underscore deadlift. There we go. Uh, you can also find you can also find us all on uh, if you just go to our Terror Table page and you want to follow us personally, see what movies we're up to, what movies we're checking out. I know Boozy always posts what movies he's watching, so uh, go oh and God. give it a yeah, look. That's my narcissism right there. Give me a follow on that's a great follow on Letterbox. I want some Letterbox love. I want. We should start yeah. plugging our Letterbox. Yeah. I still don't know what would mine just be my name though. Uh, I think so. I don't even know how this works. I think it's Mitch Oliver or May yeah. Mitty. Hey, while I have you guys for a sec, I think, Mitch, you kind of mentioned something cool right there, is that um, try to spend more time, uh, you know, supporting artists in a very basic way. Like, I, I always find it's interesting, just post, like, things that you like, like, or music, you know what I mean? And, like, tag that artist or something. And I'm not saying that in a way to, like, do do it to us, but just in general, as anyone who, who hands out things or, or puts out content for somebody... Like, just let them know that you give a shit. Yeah, it's a nice feeling. Goes along yeah, and yeah. yeah, and I know that's something you always do, Boozy. When you uh, when you talk about a movie that you saw, you'll tag the director if it's in there, or the writer or an actor or something like that. It goes a yeah, long way. And, 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 like, even for, for music and stuff, it just, yeah, I guess what I'm just saying is that, like, more people should do that because you realize that there's so much quality out there that doesn't get acknowledged, and now we have to show Kyle all of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, just see the, support. See the turnaround on that one. <laughs> support yes. local merch at the back. You guys, yeah, know. yeah, you know what it's up. You know what it is. Uh, but yeah, follow us on those social media platforms so we can announce uh, what our next series is going to be. Uh, I have one in mind, so I'm going to pitch you. it to the boys after we close up here. Thanks, Slumlord, for uh, headlining tonight. Uh, we're really excited <laughs> to be here. Um, we are fucking Doom Cannon. <laughs> um, All right. This is such an oddly specific. <laughs> Palms to the sky, 2008 motherfuckers. We'll see you guys next time on the terror table. See ya. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>